Welcome to Documentary Die Hards, the show where three sports fans break down one 30 for 30 documentary each and every episode. I'm Ren with Sam and Nick, and this is episode, I think, 16. Am I right, guys? You are. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> How's it going? Vikings. Let's talk about the Vikings Packers game right away, Ren. Okay. So wonderful. The Vikings absolutely destroyed the Packers today, and Nick and I are Vikings fans, and Ren is a Packer fan. It's a good day. Absolutely destroyed. I don't know if that's accurate. Calvin took four touchdowns. Yeah, that that was good. That was impressive. <laughs> what are your thoughts on it initially? Uh, the Vikings defense was a lot better than, pro- I mean, definitely their best game all season. Mm-hmm. I've watched every Vikings game, and it's like their secondary, like they had two guys go down uh, to injury, and they still like played really good defense. Yeah, I don't know. But, uh I don't know. It was, it was just. I mean, it was just the Vikings defense won it. If I had to narrow down one like side of the ball. Yeah, I thought the defensive line looked a lot better today. Got some pressure on Rodgers, which was nice. And I'm not like super surprised, I guess, because basically, if we get Dalvin Cook involved and the, and then uh, Mike Zimmer off of a bye, like you, you'd have to think he'd figure out the defense a little bit. Zimmer traditionally sucks out the bye, though. Does he really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Hmm. I feel like they always get blown out on a bye. I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I'm pretty sure he, he has a bad record um, with the byes. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Kirk Cousins looked okay. It was, I mean, it was just basically the Dalvin Cook story, and Cousins wasn't, you know, turning the ball over, so that, that worked out well. I mean, the Packers, like, offense didn't play that bad, but they did that thing where they... They, like, look really good on the first drive. They've scored every single first drive all season, mm-hmm. um, usually a touchdown. And then and it always looks really easy, and then they don't necessarily score that often after that. Um, I forget the final score exactly. I mean, I know they scored a few more times, but I, I, I can't really – I don't know. I have to think about it more, what the Packers did wrong. Yeah. I think Zimmer is 2-4 uh, and four after the bye. I will say, though, usually, like, the Vikings have a decent – record and so maybe that has something to do with it like you couldn't get much worse than we've been playing before this bye yeah and they got Delvin Cook back like I mean they're coming off one of their worst games but that was without Delvin Cook and he's their whole offense right yeah so now and they definitely uh they definitely still in Minnesota sports fashion uh still tried to lose at the end oh yeah I, I was terrified when Rodgers got the ball back with like 50 seconds left. I was yeah. like, well, it's over. That uh, that that uh, pass that they had that uh, did not they didn't get out of bounds for, that's what lost in there. Else I think he, he would have been able to pull it off. Yeah, that ran like 20 seconds off. Yeah. Um, what else was I going to say? There's one other point I wanted to make, but... It was really windy. The Packers... Um, kicker was coming in he had a back and a calf injury so he took like the first two extra points made him but then he pretty much wasn't available because they went for two every single time after that and they went for it on fourth twice and converted one of two like and when they one of those times they could have attempted a field goal so and then like the punter was doing the kickoffs and so Mason Crosby was like out and it kind of threw things for a loop he like stopped being available like I think midway through the first half. So. He's got to be like 40, right? He's upper 30s for sure. Yeah, I don't, he's not 40, but yeah, 30s some, somewhere. Hmm. Okay. All right. So that's why they went for it at the end there. Because I was listening online uh, or, or on the radio because we were driving. But um, then I got to see the last like three minutes or so of the game, but I was confused why they went for two. I was like, I thought that was a pretty ballsy call, but actually, as I was watching it, I was telling a friend of mine, I was like, they should go for two here, even before they went for it, because it really just puts the pressure on the Vikings. I feel like on that next drive, like put Kirk under pressure, only up six instead of seven. Right. I don't know. How bad is it that we're paying a quarterback? Like thirty million dollars, and we can't even give him the ball in the last like. I know. Stuff. 
get a first down. That was like the ultimate Kirk game that we want. Just like hand it to Dalvin. Don't get in the way. Yeah. Don't put any pressure on him. But the day is not that bad because the Bears lost. So now the Packers are in first place. That's true. All North teams lost except the Vikes. Oh, wow. Oh, and what I was going to say, isn't it just classic Vikings to right before the bye week or right before the trade deadline to get a win, like a pretty significant win, (laughs) just enough where they like don't want to trade any pieces and build for the future. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. I wonder if they will deal anyone tomorrow or the next day. Yeah, I'm not sure. They should for sure, but they should. All right, that's what I wanted to start with, Rand. All right. Uh, let's get into our review, which was another massively long documentary. Um, the documentary is called The Two Escobars, directed by Jeff and Michael Zimbalis brothers. Um, it's uh, came out in 2010. As most of these are, it's our 16th, um, 30 for 30, watching in order. And it's about Pablo Escobar, famous Colombian drug kingpin um, of Narcos fame, which I haven't seen. I haven't seen any of the stuff on him. There's been like in the past five years, there's been like, I feel like at least two movies or shows about him, but haven't seen those until this was the really first thing I had actually seen on him. And then the other Escobar, no, no relation, which is something we need to be clear about, was Andres Escobar, a star soccer player for the Colombian national team. Um, and it just talks a lot. Uh, the, the summary, I guess, would be it the rise and fall of Pablo Escobar and the rise and fall of Andres Escobar and how the drug um you know world intertwined with the soccer the rise of elite soccer um in the time it was early 90s um in colombia and in 94 when the world cup was in the u.s um as we mentioned in the in the last week's episode the um colombians were the favorites for the to to win the world cup and that that was was kind of intersecting with all the the war on drugs and all the the drug trafficking into the US, the cocaine from Colombia, etc. A lot of it and all the crime that Pablo Escobar was involved in and his rise in power really, his popularity in some parts. And it just kind of goes through all that and it ends uh it kind of wraps up with eventually es- Pablo Escobar's death. After he was very uh, like a highly wanted man, and then the tragic killing of Andres Escobar after he had an own goal in the World Cup, and there was a lot of betting and you know different, I guess drug lords or drug cartels were vote were betting on different players and team and um, players from different teams and soccer players, etc. And so they're just all super complicated, and that's kind of the arc of the of the film. Um, it's a hundred and forty some minutes, I think. So it's basically two hours, and it just kind of was ultimately trying to um, cast these two characters against each other, the parallels as Andres, like the really good guy, and Pablo, the bad guy. What did you guys think when you first saw it, uh, Nick? Yeah, uh, what a story. Uh, what a storyline. Um, crazy, uh, the different parallels or the intersections with the different uh, uh, podcasts that we've done or the different uh, documentaries that we've seen. Um, you know, the 1994 World Cup uh, that we talked about last week uh, was also going on. Um, and then uh, just thinking about the drug war, um, you know, they mentioned about Lund bias uh, uh, before. Um, in, in everything, uh, like that, that I feel like we've all talked about how we've learned, um, you know, about those different, uh, events that we didn't know because we weren't alive, but it was kind of funny to see all those intersect. Um, and obviously how, how big of a role it played within uh, soccer in Colombia. I thought it was cool to see the start, um, you know, from the beginning uh, and how, 
how things started uh, to, to be in this environment or how the drug wars, uh, you know, started to have that, um, that influence on soccer uh, in that country. Um, and then ultimately um, how it didn't work out. But um, what do you think, Sam? Um, one of my first thoughts was that just the outline of it kind of reminded me of straight out of LA um, with how it like, um, has an intersection of two different stories. You know how like in straight out of LA, it focuses on the radars and then it focuses on um, NWA and how those two things intersect. And then this one kind of has, you know, the two Escobars and how those two stories intersect. But I, I liked this one a lot more. I thought that, um, you know, it, it was like deserving of a ESPN 30 for 30. And um, it, it got a little bit long at points, but I, I really just didn't um, know or understand, I guess, the role that drug money had in soccer and the rise and fall of soccer in Colombia. And so I thought that that part was fascinating. I don't want to like get into like the, um, like the moral, like, right or wrong of like how the drug money should or should not have, you know, helped the rise of Colombian soccer because they interviewed like everyone. And among them was the national team head coach. And he was talking about, yeah, there was drug money in, in, you know, youth soccer and building fields in poor communities and bringing and feeding it to these, these big clubs as well as, I mean, I don't know about directly to the national team, but all the players in one way or another got paid through drug money. And when these clubs um, were, you know, f- feeding money into these big team programs that were then trafficked or then uh, laundering their money. Um, and that was a good way for them to launder money at at a certain period of time. But the head coach was talking about just how, like the rise of Colombian soccer that was that was unknown and not at a world elite level was only because of the drug money. And everyone pretty much agreed with that. The president of the national uh, soccer like federation in Colombia said that too. And, and basically we saw at the end how once they tore it down, like a lot of the drug wars and, and the, like all the systems in place, then we haven't heard from Colombian national soccer mm-hmm. again, just because of, I mean, I don't really know, I guess because of they just don't have enough money to bring the talent in, in terms of coaches, trainers and competition. And so, I mean, like we always are used to seeing like these big countries at the world cup and even like the Olympics or whatever national sporting team it is. But like, how do, how do we wrap our head around like these smaller countries that can't really get ahead or get even um, and compete na- internationally? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good point. And um, it was interesting to see, uh, you know, their rise and, and then their fall, like you said, and how they haven't been relevant since drug money was taken out of it. Um, but yeah, I guess I, I don't know, really know how to answer that question. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, it's an impossible question, I think, because, uh, you know, with money, there's power. And and then you can go into the population aspect of things. If you have a higher population, you're more likely to um, maybe have more talented individuals, but then you need the money to uh, be able to foster that uh, development mm-hmm. of talent um in order to create success too so um i feel like it's a a bigger scale situation of like in baseball where you have the big market teams against the small market teams um Mm -hmm. uh, and and it's like kind of that on steroids i guess no no uh uh pun intended or whatever about the steroids kind of with baseball but um, just with like on the world scale, that that difference is you know far beyond the difference in just uh, you know organizations in the same league. Yeah. Did you guys find yourself being like so they they painted Andres Escobar as the good guy, the virtuous, um, you know, guy who read the Bible every day and was super, you know, uncomfortable with the dealings with the drug cartels and stuff, but it was part of it, so he couldn't really say no uh 
everyone was participating in a different in a, in one way or another with the cartels and Pablo Escobar was really involved with with the specific team that we were following that Andres was on and then um they all went to the national team which Pablo wasn't as involved with but the the club team or whatever you want to call it was like owned was part owned by Pablo Escobar he owned two I think but they like used to go to his house party with him and like they're not dumb like they know what he's involved in everyone really knew in the country they just kind of you know said no evil or what is it speak no evil see no evil I don't know what's called what the phrase is but um and then ultimately when he was like he locked himself in his own prison that he made for himself they like went to visit him and every, the whole team international or the whole national team did um at points I was like well, these this coach should not like let his players do this or like these guys shouldn't do that but like it wasn't even just the players so i i was going back and forth it was like there was like almost half the population that was like a fan of pablo escobar so it was like weird yeah. like it was a different um it was a real more gray area of like what right and wrong was when it came to that well, I thought... yeah without a doubt Oh, I was just going to say, uh, without a doubt, I think that, uh, you know, him as a figure uh, was so huge in that country and, and what he gave to people that were poor or didn't have homes and and he gave them opportunity because he, I mean, he viewed himself as, you know, the savior of others or just wanting to uh, make the, uh, make Colombia into this uh, good nation or at least serve others. Um, that's kind of how they said it. They, uh, in the documentary, they said that they viewed him or the, uh, the lower class, uh, economically speaking, viewed him as like the Messiah, basically. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's easier to turn a blind mm-hmm. eye to that. <laughs> I thought that the documentary did a, um, a really good job of um, showing a different side to Pablo Escobar, because I think just as someone who I, I don't really know much about him. All I really know is that, you know, he was like the biggest drug smuggler in the world and very powerful. And I guess I've always just viewed him as like a bad person, but I think this uh, documentary did a really good job of showing like um, that there was more to it than that. And yeah, he was doing these bad things to get all this money, but then he was also doing a lot of things for the people of Colombia that, a lot of people didn't see from the outside. And like one story that really sticks out from this documentary is um, when there's like that village of like 700 people or whatever that um, are basically like living in a landfill. um, And he just goes in and sees the lives that they're living and um, actually builds them all homes. And I thought that that was just an awesome thing to do, no matter where you're getting your money from. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. And it was, I mean, going along with that, we heard all that because they interviewed like so many of his people, like they interviewed his right hand man who at the top of the movie was like, yeah, I've killed over, like, like, 50. what did he say? I, 250. How many? Yeah, he's like, I t- t- killed 250 people and dismembered many more. Um, but who keeps track? Yeah. <laughs> and then like they interviewed his other right-hand man, like his cousin who was there from the get. And they interviewed his sister who was kind of annoyed me. But anyway, because she was like all weepy about it. But like, yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, what did you guys think about how the documentary accomplished? I'll give my opinion. I thought the they kept going back and forth, right, between soccer and and just narcos or whatever you know like how like his whole Mm -hmm. drug game and especially early on like for long periods of time it would be one or the other and i was a little you know taken out of one of them when the other one was on and then vice versa i thought that wasn't really accomplished quite well it might have gone a little too long into the drug game though i was interested to see it because i hadn't really watched any of these other like miniseries or whatever how do you think they did in accomplishing that, Sam or Nick? Uh, as far as going back and forth, yeah, is is what you're saying. And you said that you you were kind of lost at least at times. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I felt like you know, like yes, I I was. I, I kept um kept getting flashbacks. I I don't know if you guys have seen Narcos on no, Netflix. Not. No. Or not? No. So it I mean that's about um, Pablo Escobar and from the perspective of uh, a couple of DEA agents um, that are down there. Um, so I was I was trying to decipher between that. Um, I I've seen this documentary before too, and so I was trying to decipher between my memory of that. So mm-hmm. um, I I might not be the truest answer to that, but I I would agree uh, in in um, in the overall scheme of things. Um, and, and so I, I I don't know. It was it was it was tough at times because. They would go so much into that that yeah, you would forget about the other side uh, or the other story that's going on, or I would lose track of where we were at. Were we in the World Cup? Were we before the World Cup? Uh, like that sort of a thing too. So yeah, and I think at, at one point they went so far into the drug side that I find myself being like, wow, I don't even feel like I'm watching a sports documentary anymore. But um, yeah, I don't know. It was it was it got really long for me at points. Um, and yeah, I, I, th- I thought it was like a decent job of going back and forth. I felt like because it was so long, they had to like keep going. Obviously they had to keep going back and forth so many times, but yeah, they, I feel like it could have been a little bit more organized for sure. Yeah. And Nick, what you said, the um, um, losing track, I did lose track because at one point when they're trying to qualify for the 94 world cup, they just did this montage and it was like 91, 92, 93 in a, yeah. in a matter of like two seconds. And so I was like, okay, so what's happening with the drug game during this time? And I'm mm-hmm. assuming that, like, the other stuff we had been watching had covered most of that time. But they didn't exactly do a good enough job of intersecting, like, when the, t- the landmark times of when this happened and when Pablo got elected to the House. And then when he got, and then, like, when they were qualifying for this, when Pablo was um, put in prison, etc. Um I did, um, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. Anything else, Sam, that that you wanted to mention? Uh, We should definitely talk about the um, killing of Andres Escobar at the end. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Describe uh, what kind of happened. Why? Do you remember when, like, Andres Escobar's sister was, like, my they're watching his his own goal. So that's what happened in the World Cup. The last game before they got eliminated in the World Cup, he scored an own goal and his his nephew was told his his sister like they're going to kill him. And that's what happened. Yeah, it was um you want me to to describe the own goal? No, just describe the uh the tragedy. Oh, okay. So sh- sure. Um well because of the own goal that happened in the, was it 94, right? The 94 world cup. Um, he decided when he came back that, uh, he wasn't going to let it, it ruin him, I guess, even though it was, it was a rough time. So he decided to go out, even though his teammates, um, advised him not to, because it was dangerous. Um, and so he went out to a bar, right. And, yeah, or a club or something and had a few drinks and was talking with everybody. And then a few people started to talk about, oh, nice, nice goal you had there um, scoring on on yourself, basically. Um, and that upset him. And so they were ready to leave and he'd had a few drinks and he like drove up to the group of, of people who had been talking smack to him and kind of sounds like they got into it a little bit. And uh, they opened fire and shot him six times. and. Um, yeah, and then he passed away, sadly. And, like, the, uh, the, I feel like the whole documentary was, it, I mean, it, it was based around this, right? It was based around the two Escobars, is what it's called. But it, the whole documentary, I was like, this is a stretch, is what I was thinking, that these two are parallels. They're only doing this because their last name is both Escobar. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it. It maybe. I mean, it ultimately, it probably wasn't because he was the captain of the national team, 
But if he hadn't scored the own goal and been killed, it definitely was. And so I was waiting this whole documentary for them to come together. I thought it would be, I, I was wondering like, okay, so they're not even really interacting that much. They, they're asking the interviewees like about them, their characters. And that's really all they're doing is just painting them as the good and the bad guy. And I thought they were going to have like a run in at one point. I thought, I thought like um, Andres was going to like make a stand against Pablo mm-hmm. or something. And then Pablo died and that still hadn't happened. And then, so then the own goal. And then I was like, okay, this is what's going to happen. And then it did. And it, it really did help. I mean, it completely brought it full circle um, in that they both like died for different reasons and from the same and for, for different reasons and because of the same reason really. And, and so like that, I mean, the um, like, I don't know, the full circle-ness of that was really good for the movie. Um, it it kind of took a long time to get there and it might have still been a bit of a stretch for the documentary, but for a storyline and, and, and if you want to, you know, say that for an anecdote, like saying these two things, these two people um, were super impactful and, and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, ended this way. I, I think it's it's a really, I mean, it's, yeah, it, it holds up for sure. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I thought it was a little bit of a stretch at first because it, you know, it could have just been Pablo Escobar and like Colombian soccer maybe. Um, but then, yeah, obviously because of the murder, he became the most famous of all of, all of those soccer players. So um, that's why I kind of compared it to straight out of LA because that was one of our big talking points about that documentary was, um, was it a stretch to just have a whole documentary about NWA and the Raiders? Um, and then we thought that that one was definitely a stretch. And after, you know, completing this whole documentary, I don't think that this one was m- much of a stretch at all. And yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, that way it sort of reminded me of the um, Nelson Mandela documentary too, because it was the national team. It was rugby in that one. And then it was the all the political um, strife and social strife within a country. I, I mean, and they also did do the bouncing back and mm-hmm. forth between those two things. The Nelson Mandela one, I think, pulled it off okay. perfectly almost. Um, but, but, and so this one was a little bit like that, but different in many ways. Agreed. I do have one question for you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, what mm-hmm. did you think about the documentary being almost entirely in Spanish? Yeah, so I was trying to, <laughs> I was trying to be like semi-productive during this, to be honest, <laughs> and I quickly figured out that wasn't gonna be right. able to be done <laughs> because I was having to read all the mm-hmm. subtitles and stuff. That's funny. So it it, it kind of you know with that said that you know I, I didn't follow it you know as well as I would have liked to. Um, with that, it's definitely one that needed your full attention and. And uh, being able to, and that would have helped with following sure. it better. So, yeah, it, it was interesting. I, I, it was the first time for one of these that I've watched it on my computer, which I realized because I take notes on my computer on a Word document. And so I was planning on just going back and yep. forth between tabs or whatever. And I couldn't because I would have to pause it because I couldn't hear what the, they were saying. I couldn't quickly write down a note and then come back to the, the documentary because it was subtitles um so that's what i noticed and i also i'm vehemently against subtitles for english things like i know a lot of people watch like all like the office mm-hmm. with subtitles or whatever and i i hate that because i'm like you're not you're just reading um but this one yeah i i i mean it worked because i basically forgot i was i was watching su- uh something with subtitles until i had to Sure. I had something similar go on, Ren, where I was like taking notes and then I'd be like, oh, wait, I have to go back. I had to rewind so many times during this because I felt like I missed out on things. And um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It was it was interesting. And um, I definitely found myself like missing some of the highlights and and things like that because I had to read the the subtitles, which kind of sucked in some ways. But yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to see what you guys had to say about that. It was definitely the first time that we've experienced that in a 30 for 30 so far. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. I hadn't really thought about how much mm-hmm. that affected, but it did. Um, yeah, I I don't feel like I have to watch it <laughs> now. 
<laughs> I sort of meant to eventually, but though I still might because obviously this guy was I mean he was a really weird character. He he seemed like uh I don't know, he was just different. Um there was one quote that I had to read which was later in the um documentary near the end. It was the it was one of the the guys in jail that was formerly you know, along with him. And they were talking about how the Colombian president was like Nelson Mandela trying to rise, raise up the, the sports team, this, in this case, the soccer team on the international stage to, to treat the nation's image. And the guy in jail said to fix Colombia's image with like, um, to fix Colombia's image, you know, versus fixing Colombia was like trying to treat gonorrhea by pouring alcohol on your penis. So that's cool. That was a good. That was I like that one. I was wondering which one you were gonna choose. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh That's that one's going uh, on the whiteboard. That's a good one. Um, what else did I have? I don't know. I think that's that's most of what I have. I have a couple other thoughts, but I think we can give our ratings unless you guys have other things. Yeah, I only had one thing. Uh, when he was in jail, uh, Pablo, this is, and he was having everybody come in to his jail to like hang out or play soccer or whatever. I just thought it was just like MJ when he was on the set of Space Jam, and he's like, "Well, you got to build a a basketball court, and then you got to bring in everybody from the NBA so I can play people." But it was like, you know, him, it was just like, yeah, I just want to play soccer with my buddies. It was the biggest joke, that prison. It was such, <laughs> he's like, okay, I'll put myself in prison that I made. And then he, it was literally like, he just kind of couldn't really leave as much as he wanted. That's all it was. Cause it was this nice place, his own prison. And then ultimately he escaped because he just left when he felt like he wanted all to. All the things money can do for you. <laughs> Yeah, I I guess that's probably something that they go into in Narcos, probably how like he because I mean, what a crazy thing is like you turn yourself in to your own prison mm-hmm. that you own or made or something. And then it turns out to not really be a prison like that's a great I don't know if that's ever happened yeah. before. All those guys are so fascinating because they have so many people on their side and so much money and they can corrupt so many things because of that money. It's like I always like El Chapo and how he's mm-hmm. escaped prison like three times and like dug, he's like yeah. dug a tunnel that's like a mile long or whatever to his jail cell and whatever <laughs> it's like good goodness yeah insane um I can give Let's my rating you guys ready for that yeah so this I wrote this down too this is like the first one that I I don't know why but I feel bad simplifying it into a one rating I mean I I have rating but like because it was so um, Mm -hmm. vast like what it covered like I mean it was such a massive and it was like a big scale movie like they got these insane amount of work that went into getting all these people in jail you know in prison for life or whatever like these mass murderers that they're interviewing as well as like family members of Pablo and Andres and these former DA you know big shots and stuff so ultimately i gave it an 8.5 i liked it it was good um it, um yeah it was, i don't know the we i talked about just kind of the the themes that i thought were good that went together the good the evil the you know the and then the moral issues that were brought up that kind of open ended which it, what made you think um it was kind of long obviously they maybe could have just trimmed the pablo escobar stuff um they had so much good footage of like gory you know murders in the streets and as well as soccer footage 8.5 i felt was fair just cuz it was really good it, it wasn't perfect but it was definitely one of the better ones nick you want to go Uh, yes, I can. Um, similar to Ren, uh, I thought it was uh, pretty good. Um, I, I gave it a little bit of the benefit of the doubt since I uh, <laughs> didn't pay the best attention, but uh, still still enjoyed it. Um, a little long by the end, but um, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And, and it was like a good drama, kind of a good story to things and or the two stories. 
Um, so I'm gonna give it a, a 8.1 mustaches uh, because the the mustache of Pablo Escobar is nice. Good. Wow. Okay, guys. I uh, I'm gonna surprise you here. Um, so yeah, I, I thought that the story was obviously really interesting. Um, and they had so much stuff to talk about between Pablo and Andres and Colombia soccer in general. Um, but I thought that it got really long at points. And like I said, I, I sometimes I didn't like the fact that I um, was missing highlights and stuff because I was just reading. And so maybe if I got to watch it a second time, I could um, focus more on, on that instead of just trying to read and, and figure out what's going on. Um, so I'm going to give this one 6.3 own goals. Wow. The positive (laughs) has become the negative. Welcome (laughs) to the dark side, Sam. (laughs) Dang. Uh, Now I feel like I'm I'm too, I gave it too. Yeah, I mean, I was just kind of looking at some of the other ones, and that's kind of what I do now is I look at, where I think it falls in, like which one would I rather watch? And um, yeah, and so I just, I don't know. It wasn't my favorite one. I, there's definitely some be- some ones that I liked more out there. And um, I think the length was a really big thing for me. I just felt like it just dragged on and on and on at points. So you like King's Ransom, our first episode? Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like probably not, but... Uh, I feel like King's Ransom was the first one. So I, I just was like, ah, seven sounds good. Yeah. Like, if I could go back right now and rewatch two documentaries and re rank them, I would do King's Ransom and The U. I would rewatch both of those and re rank them. <laughs> That's a good Maybe we should would... do that for like number 20 or something. Just like re rank a couple of just to, like yeah. now that yeah, we have I a like better that. context to everything. Because, yeah, I mean, I hadn't seen many 30 for 30s before King's Ransom, and so I was just like, oh, yeah, I learned a lot, so seven. And look at now, I'd probably be like, yeah, 5.4 or something. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, we learn a lot with all of them. But, yeah, that's – I mean, maybe – I don't know if we should. It is a good idea, but maybe just to keep – I don't know. But, yeah, like, there is a couple I would re yeah. Probably the U. I just think we – at least in my opinion, and I think I might have been talking to Nick about this, but uh, – I feel like I went into the U with the anticipating that it was going to be so awesome because I'd heard so much about it and I knew all these players and it was just this exciting documentary. And, and so I just went in like, Oh, this is a nine or a 10, like automatically, you know? Yeah. And so I, I wish I, I could just go back into it and just look at it like without, um, you know, building it up beforehand. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. We, uh, yeah, maybe we'll do something like that, shake it up, or get, we'll give our, well, maybe we'll just do like our second rating for every single one and just see how much they differ or something like that. I don't know. It is, we're recording here on November 1st, and that means Halloween was yesterday. What were you guys dressed um, up as? I went as a Teletubby. Uh, the pink one. Uh, the yellow. Oh, I don't think there's yeah. a pink one. I mean, red. The red one. The red one. Wow, you're oh. so lying out of your butt. Right um, now. I did not go as anything, but I did hand out candy for the first time, and that was fun. Uh yeah, we actually did have quite a few a kids. We left a bowl out at first, um, just with like little individual baggies, so that we didn't have to, um, I don't know, we didn't have to interact. And not, but then yeah, eventually the, that ran out. So then I just started handing out candy myself, and yeah, it was it was fun. What? Yeah, we had like no one here. There that was, was like it. the two neighbor hmm. kids. Yeah. Yeah, that really I sucked. I eat that candy huh? myself. Oh well. <laughs> and that brings us to our Mount Rushmore category today: is Halloween candy. So the idea here is it's Halloween candy. So maybe don't do movie theater candy if you want to. I'm not going to fight you on it. Like, I guess, I mean, if we do all candy, like it could be overwhelming, whatever you want to do. 
Um, so our top four Halloween candies, um, because it was just Halloween, Sam. Wow. Your honor. This feels this feels right to have the first pick here. Um so just thinking about what I've enjoyed the most um in the last few days here. And I'm probably you're probably gonna be happy, Nick, that I don't t- I think I know what you're gonna take second and I'm not gonna steal it from you. I'm gonna go uh Kit Kat as my pick. Um I think it's an underrated candy bar. Mm-hmm. Uh nice and simple classic and one of my favorites. That one that one was on my board. Not on my top of my board, but on it, so yeah i'm torn here between uh what's been tried and true my whole life or what uh, has been the recent go of it but uh but i would say my top is not what i was expecting Hmm. are you satisfied with that pick no because i don't have any (laughs) (laughs) all right well i get back to backs and i'm gonna crush it here You'll notice a theme as we go on, but my number one is Skittles. Mm. I like to taste the rainbow. I'm a, I'm a big Skittles guy. Not a big Marshall Lynch guy, but a big Skittles guy. Um, and then my second, since you're going Snake's Ooh. Draft, is Starburst. Starburst mm. have always been my favorite since I was little. My The pink one's my favorite, strawberry. The lemon ones are least favorite of the original four flavors. But they're so, like... I don't know. They're just like very different than most other candies. They're super cheap. I could eat and about a good. million Starbursts in one sitting, I think. <laughs> yeah. I love uh, eating the red ones and the or- orange ones together. Like when you start combining. Whoa. Yeah. Okay, we need to have this conversation since you just brought though. since well, you just yeah. brought it up. Um, you open a pack of Starbursts and you get two, you know, the two packs. What's the ultimate combination? Yeah. What do you see? What are you looking for in your two? Yeah, that, looking, that would be mine. I'm, I'm okay. I'm pink looking for okay. pink and orange. Or it's, it's orange and strawberry. Definitely strawberry. Um, and the red ones are fine, but the yellow ones are definitely the the least good of the top four. Yeah. Now they do have the, like the tropical, you know, alternate kinds but i can't like there's like a mango one sure. that's really good but what is which two did you say nick red and the orange okay oh the and red for, and the for orange. me i'm gonna go uh pink and or or pink and red i get excited about that's my yeah okay that's fair love it yeah i don't all right I, nick I, you're up yeah i'm just straight og as far as the starburst i don't go on any of those that's crazy flavors um all right second pick um didn't think that's what i thought you were gonna pick reese's peanut butter cup yeah i was debating um i love me some reese's peanut butter cups you put it in the fridge or the freezer just a little cool game changer so i feel like this is a lot of people's favorite halloween candy and i really don't like them i really dislike Reese's or peanut butter cup. I like peanut butter. I don't love it as a in a dessert. Like I prefer most other like kind of desserts than a peanut butter. Okay. Though I do like a peanut butter cookie, but I just don't like Reese's peanut butter cups. Interesting. You never hear people say that. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's what I'd I say. I guess I'm just special. <laughs> All right. Um. Just. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to go with uh, Hershey's Cookies and Cream. It's like the Ooh, white Hershey's one. bar. Wait, what's that? Never had that? Oh. Um, it's no. amazing, man. And it's like probably my favorite candy bar of all time. And yeah, they make little ones that you can hand out on a Halloween. Yeah. So- they also make some like they have. Uh, I, I just had one this weekend that was uh, fangs. They called it, and I was like, "Oh man!" Like they have them in the shape of fangs, but it's just literally just like the print oh. on top is just like as if it were fangs. The texture lame, of them too. It the great, so. 
top notch. Mm. Oh man. Um, and then I guess with my next pick, I am going to go with, uh, Twix. All right. Going with a lot of uh, chocolate because, Ren, you took like the two Skittles and Starburst are like my two sugary ones I'd go with probably. Yeah. No, not at all. Yeah, there's no No, sugar. There's no calorie in the. No. No calories in Halloween candy. Do you guys know that? (laughs) Yeah. That's why it's so good. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Nick. Um. All right. You guys can veto this. Uh, do Oreos count? I'd say no as well. Mm, I would say no. All right, that's fair. Um, I always gotta check with my Oreos. So, <laughs> uh, I will go with a Mr. What? Good Bar. Ooh, Mr. Good Bar. I don't even know yeah, if I've ever had a Mr. Good Bar. But, but uh, really. My grandma was always obsessed with them, uh, or like that's her favorite candy bar, and so we would always get her that for, you know, like uh, Christmas or or Halloween or um, like really anytime we saw her. Um, but anyways, it was just kind of like we always, I always knew that it was her favorite, and so we'd always have that together. She would have like a couple. It's it's like a Hershey's where it's like split into three, and so she would always have like a you know three of those small little things like. If she had them, uh, like with her coffee in the morning. What uh is it like? I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I've had it, but a long time. Yeah, ago. it's like uh, it's just like a Hershey's bar, and yeah. is it just randomly placed peanuts? Yeah. Um, okay. It's not. It's not like uh, like a crunch bar where it's like more dense. It's just um, yeah, just like chocolate and then intermittent peanuts in there. All right. Um, making the turn here, I'll do my, um, third and last one. I, uh, for my third pick, Dum Dums. I love, uh, like a sucker. And, like, I I had a friend that used to get the huge sack of them, like the massive one. And you just, like, eat those all day long. And they, like, have so many flavors. Most of them Mm -hmm. are good. Some are gross. Like, the Pop-Tart ones aren't great. But there's, uh, they're, like... Like that used to be like a hobby was or like a vice for kids. Like instead of like smoking, you would just always have a dum dum in your mouth, and it was really good if like, for when you went to the dentist. But <laughs> dum dums are good. And breaking with my theme, uh, for my last pick, I'm gonna do a tootsie roll because hmm. I feel like that's an, an ultimate um, Halloween candy. Like that's always in those bags. And I really like it. Like I think it's really good. And I, I don't think I've ever what really had it. What are your thoughts on on the flavored tootsie rolls, uh, like the fruity ones? I I I've they're not bad. Like the there's like the berry yeah, and there's like lemon and, like, and like orange and pink or something. Yeah. Oh oh yeah, the orange ones are good. I don't know if I've had a lemon one. I mean, I prefer the OG, but those are decent, too. But for this, yeah. Also, I used to like to – I mean, I was a big baseball fan, obviously, and I used to put Tootsie Rolls <laughs> in my lip and pretend it was a dip. That's awesome. sad. <laughs> the kid dream. <laughs> yeah, and since then, I've tried dip twice in my adult life and puked both times, so that's a different story. <laughs> <though. laughs> that's good. Yeah. <laughs> We'll save that for a different Ma Rushmore. Ma Rushmore of things that make you vomit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's I'll be a massive list for me. <laughs> that's funny. That's good. All right, Nick. You All right, last, I, one. Uh, last one for me is peanut M and M's. I could destroy peanut M and M's for like a whole night, just like you guys are saying about uh, Starburst, but. All right, um, so your theme yeah, is that anything dangerous. that has a peanut in it, you're all about it. Pretty much. Oh, yeah. nice. Peanut and chocolate, yeah. Oh, I'm, all right. I'm debating here. Do I go with a, another chocolate or do I go with – I'm going to go with a different one. I'm going to go uh, Sour Patch Kids. Little 
I was debating. Mm. I love the water. See, I'm more those little packs of Sour Patch Kids, those are always a good thing to find in your Halloween bag. All right. I'll give us a good, yeah. uh, good review here. So I went with the Kit Kat, Hershey's Cookies and Cream, Twix, and Sour Patch Kids. Nick went peanut-themed with Snickers, Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, Mr. Good Bar, and Peanut M&M's. And Ren went with Skittles, Starburst, Dum Dums, and Tootsie Rolls. That's eh, debatable. Mine's the best. I wish that we could just create a poll so easily <laughs> so that we could have people vote on them. Oh, shoot. Oh, I might try to tell, do Yeah, that. I know. I wish that there was that a way that a we could polls, yeah. easily have people vote. Maybe we should just do the first, like each of our first picks and put those mm. up against each other and see what, which one. Yeah, wins. we could do that. Or if I can figure out a way to do all of them too, but yeah, mine are all mostly fruity except for Tootsie Rolls. I knew or that's... your top two because I feel like yeah, we could do top two. Yeah, we could probably figure out a way to make a poll. Like if we screenshotted it and then this... edited it down, but we can talk about that later. Oh, that's true. Oh yeah, whose team is best? Um, this uh, rating going back to the Escobars uh, was seven point six three. Where does that rank? That ranks uh, um, mathematical. It, it is sixth overall, between right behind the band that wouldn't die, which was eight point one three, and right above Muhammad and Larry, which is seven point two. Interesting. Not for um, obviously this is the average of all our scores, but that's uh, yeah, that's a... out of sixteen is not bad. If it's in the upper half. Like right, I would say it's it's a yeah. I th- I'm actually surprised. I thought that you guys would have ranked it a little bit lower. You guys were higher on it than I was expecting. So that's cool. Mm. Nice. Um, okay, let's go to our basically our last segment, which is the documentary wish list. It's Nick's turn. What thirty for thirty do- documentary do you want made in the future? Yeah, so what if I told you guys that a touchdown celebration dance is not all that Tebowing was? The life and story of Tim Tebow. I would just, I think it would be fascinating to see where he came from. Uh, Go through his Florida years, especially when you think about the contrast of him and, and, uh, you know, like his character and his, everything that he stands for as far as faith. and competitiveness and everything, but then also with like Aaron Hernandez also in the um, in the locker room, and and then just going into the NFL, um, he was pretty, I guess you could say, close-minded as as a blunt way of saying it, as far as like he wanted to be a quarterback and and um, and what that pre-draft process was like, what the draft process was like once he got drafted. Um, yeah, whether it's like how many people loved him, how many people hated him, just a polarizing figure. And then going through that playoff run that he had, or at least like the one play uh, against the Steelers, I think it was when he had mm-hmm. um, that long pass. Or I mean, it wasn't a long pass, but the long touchdown um, to Demarius Thomas and, and everything with that. And then uh, you can follow it up with him in his baseball career and shifting into um into uh analyst uh role uh, with sec network and uh kind of where he's at now. i like it yeah i like to go back to his early years like i remember learning that he was homeschooled i was homeschooled so then that was dope i was a big tebow fan i think i have a tebow broncos jersey somewhere nice. and that play in the playoffs against the steelers in overtime I was like watching it weirdly from like a cruise ship. So like my my grandparents took us on a cruise for, <laughs> and I I don't know it was like off of Mexico and I it was like back in the cabin watching that game. Dang, that's pretty and cool. It was, it was um, amazing. Yeah, that would be fascinating. Like his yeah, he was just such an interesting character at Florida because he had so many expectations, but he like um, met or exceeded all of them. It seemed like at Florida. And then also, like, going on yeah. to the NFL, and you talk about, like, his stubbornness to not really change p- positions and stuff. Like, 
as I I just watched like the Saints and the Bears play, and I I just was thinking as you were talking, like he is basically Taysom Hill, except a better quarterback. You know what I mean? Yeah. As far as like athletic ability and stuff, like he could have easily right. played that role for like Sean Payton or Kyle Shanahan or something, but he just refused to do that, and it's really interesting. And then he chose to like go on and play baseball instead, and yeah. I think it's uh, super interesting how, like, like, where do you fall on that side? Was he stupid for doing that, or was he just doing what he wanted to do? Because I, I think he's one of those, or I shouldn't even say one of those people. I feel like he's, if you had to bet on one person that they don't have any doubt in anything that they are doing in life, I feel like he is that person. That I, I definitely know. agree, like, does that make he sense? just feels like he's in like the right spot at all times kind of a thing. Yeah, he just feels so driven, like called to do what he's doing. He's so certain mm-hmm. in, in what he's doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And now going into, you know, post, like whether it's analyst or, or like faith, uh, you know, conversations or, or, um, or leadership that way. I just feel like he is completely sold on what he is doing and and passionate about it to the nth degree. That's yeah, I agree. I remember hearing an interview with him about they were asking him about why why is he sticking with baseball? Like he's sitting in the minors and like stuff like that. Like why did you try decide to do this? What are the odds that you like succeed and make it to the major leagues? And he was talking just about how he like he yeah, he had no doubt that he wanted to do that and he wouldn't necessarily like achieve his goal but like he knew definitely that he wanted to try his hardest at this i mean he won a playoff game and like that year he was kind of on a roll you know it's like he had success it was just like the timing didn't work out and then the media circus that followed him everywhere didn't help him either but yeah and i feel like he wanted to be a quarterback uh anybody that told him that he should do something different he took it more as like motivation or i'm going to show you how mm-hmm. i'm going to show you or i'm going to prove you wrong you know kind of lamar jackson way of going about things um and now it's right. easier to say he should have been a taste hill but you know just different perspectives i don't think it's right or wrong just different yeah, I was always frustrated with, like, after he had that playoff run, then, like, he was all of a sudden a bad quarterback, which, I mean, I understand, but I felt like, yeah, he didn't quite get to yeah. prove how bad Definitely he was. Definitely winner, though. He just of, always won everywhere he went. Um, yeah, exactly. There's, like, that magic yeah. um, that we kept witnessing every once in a while, so yeah. that was fun. Just based on um, the amount that we just idea. talked about like it. We that. talked about it for, like, five um, minutes. That's just a good idea. <laughs> uh our last segment is our our next okay so we are on episode 17 already um from july 29th 2010 it's called the birth of big air directed by jeff tremaine it's about the life of matt hoffman and his 25 year career of advancing in creative and promotional avenues um being bmx riding All right. No, we have not done that, that yet. Action sports. I don't think we've done that yet. Be really interesting because I think I, I've said this before, but I, I find that ones that don't pique my interest as I read about them tend to be some of my favorite ones when it's all said and done. Hmm. I was going to say this is our first uh, non team sport, but we did the muhammad ali which i think is the only other non uh so well, else still a little game maybe sport besides yeah, yeah that's true not oh necessarily. well that's but that's what baseball right and then the oh, other one is um category yeah jimmy the greek yeah. i actually heard a reference to jimmy the greek the other day in the <laughs> podcast i was listening to and i thought of you guys Mm-hmm. Hey. Uh, it was the Bill Simmons podcast. They were podcast. talking about gambling and like a, 
a gambling hall of fame and who would be in it if there was a gambling hall of fame. And the first name they brought up was Jimmy the Greek. And I was like, Oh, because of this podcast, I know who that is and who you're referring to. Yeah. There's been a couple of times where like I'm more, yeah, it is cool. I'm just in the daily sports, even life, though it was the worst one we've cool. seen so far. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and dropping out of 16 so far. I know. Yeah, I can't wait (laughs) till I see one even worse. (laughs) (laughs) But hopefully, it's not one of the hour and 44 minute ones. Uh, All right, I I don't think so. Say goodbye. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.